Welcome to Rock and Ice's My Epic Podcast, presented by Outdoor Research. I'm Daniel Tachik. As you already know, Outdoor Research has been at the forefront of mountain equipment innovation since 1981. Their products have shown them to be committed to improving the climber and alpinist's experience with awesome gear, from jackets to gaiters to bivy sacks. It's not about summits for OR. It's not about finish lines or sends. It's the journey. So if you've got a journey in the near future, check them out. You will not regret it. We're psyched to be partnering with Outdoor Research for these podcasts. Our goal is to bring to life the most unbelievable epics we've published throughout the years. We all love them. They're some of the best stories in print. In today's episode, we hear a death-defying story of Eric Strickler and Eddie McFarland's 800-foot fall on Mount Stewart. All right, here we go. I stood 45 feet below him at my belay in the snow gully. Eddie McFarlane and I had discussed our final obstacle, a short cornice leading to the easier ridge on the northeast couloir, Mount Stewart, in Washington's Cascades. We decided that if the 15-foot crux over the cornice pushed us beyond our comfort zone, Eddie would stop there and belay me up to establish better anchors. Then we would have at it from there. Eddie caught himself, repositioned, and attacked again, looking for sturdier, more consolidated snow. I belayed off two snow pickets in my axes. Driven into the crumbly snow between Eddie and me was one single picket. Now I know Eddie, and I could see that he was in the zone, focused. In the past, he had always turned desperation into determination and success, and I'd always spoken up if I thought we should change course. This time I told him, Come on, man. You got this. Eddie tried to trust his axe, but the placement sheared straight through the snow, and he fell, rotated, landed with his back to the slope, and started sliding down the gully. The rope tightened, and the picket just blew. Eddie barreled down the nearly 60-degree slope straight at me. Why didn't I just ask him to bring me up? Like, why did he go for it? Why didn't I just bury the belay pickets better? His crampons hit me as he slid right through the anchor. I bellowed, bowled over by an avalanche of the climber, pack, tools, and all. Then the belay ripped. And I'm thinking, trying to increase our chances of survival, I reflexively just dug my crampons into the slope and grasped at the snow and my partner. I just waited to impact the rock band that flanked the snaking gully. And then we hit. It didn't hurt as much as I expected, but now we were just tumbling, and with each bounce we were airborne just a little bit longer. In one of these moments of weightlessness and a tiny sense of lucidity, I just kind of accepted death, like I really believed it. All of a sudden, wham, my head hit something. I slowly opened my eyes. Eddie? Eddie? Over here came from a couple feet away. What the hell just happened, I told him. Where were we? Was this the route that we were climbing the other day? 
We fell, man, he told me. But we're okay. Where are we? All the way at the top, he said. I scanned the glacier and the gullies around us. Nothing looked familiar, just rock, snow, and the high alpine walls. Eddie and I had fallen somewhere between 800 and 1,000 feet over snow, rock, and ice. Are you okay? I asked through what felt like a concussive haze. I think I broke my leg, Eddie told me. His femur would turn out to be fractured in two places. I would be diagnosed with fractured C1, C4, and C5 vertebrae. Are you okay? I think so, I said. Is there anything I can do to help you? Eddie pointed to something about 75 feet away and, and asked if I could check to see if it was his med kit, which contained his emergency locator beacon. So I crept over, and, and thankfully it was his med kit. I brought it back, and we activated the ELB. I tried 911 on my cell phone, still intact in my pants pocket, but after multiple attempts to call or text, just everything failed. So we waited for confirmation from the ELB. We had survived the fall, but without a rescue, what chance did we have? It transmitted our location, Eddie finally told me. Okay, uh, I, I guess we just wait now. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. I helped Eddie to a sitting position on his back for insulation. We were at around 8,100 feet, and even in late morning, the temperatures were near freezing. His heavy down jacket had disappeared sometime during the fall, and I spotted what looked like my backpack about 500 feet away, with small dots of gear scattered in the snow above it. Eddie's sleeping bag was in that pack. One black dot on the glacier turned out to be my helmet, split with two long gashes. It must have been ripped off during our fall. I tried phoning again, and a single ringtone finally broke the silence. 911, a dispatcher said. What's your emergency? So we relayed our condition over to the dispatcher, who relayed us over to the Chelan County Sheriff's Office. A person confirmed the ELB transmission and said the office was putting together a rescue team. But I kind of thought to myself, like, how are we going to manage if we had to spend the night? I paused to put together a clear and honest response. I, I, I don't know if we're going to make it. I was afraid that Eddie might have some internal bleeding, and I myself was having trouble seeing and moving. We were told that a helicopter team was mobilizing, and the flight would take about 45 minutes. It was 1.15 in the afternoon, and they were finally coming to get us. The weather held on that February day in the Pacific Northwest for a hover extraction at around 2.30 p.m. Had the accident happened a few hours later, we would have had to bivy on the glacier. Watching Eddie as he was loaded into the rescue helicopter, I was just so thankful for the whole string of luck that allowed us to survive the fall and for that one bar of cell service. I was just so thankful for everything I had experienced in my life and for all the people who had shared those experiences with me. I felt this love for all that we encounter in life and in just an overwhelming joy that my time was not over. We're super glad you both survived that fall. I still can't believe it. I'd like to thank Noisy Waters for the music. Thanks for listening, and again, thanks for Outdoor Research for helping us bring these stories to life. Be sure to check out the next in our series, Never Back Down, unless you're trad climbing. 
by Rock and Ice's own Harriet Ridley. <laughs> <laughs>